Hi, this is Max Tanev and you're listening to Brains Bite Back. The podcast that explores themes that live at the intersection of psychology, technology and societies. Today's episode is the first installment in a two-part series which explores ethical user experience design, commonly known as UX design. In this interview, I spoke to Claudia Cabrera, a UX designer at global digital transformation company, Intiv. Claudia dedicates herself to making better products through user-centered design and learning about how these digital solutions create impact in people's lives. She was the perfect guest to talk to on this topic, and we dove deep into dark pattern design techniques, what they are, how they're used, what kind of impacts they can have on us, and how UX relates to issues surrounding data privacy and the growing dominance of big tech companies in our lives. Hope you enjoy the show. Disclosure, this episode contains a client of an Espacio portfolio company. This episode is brought to you by Publicize, a digital PR company that grows businesses' online presence. And for a limited time only, exclusive to Brains Bite Back listeners, you can receive an SEO assessment as part of your package for any tier of service at no extra charge with this special promotion. To find out more, visit publicize.co slash BBB. Okay, so Claudia, welcome to the podcast. It's great to have you on today. Thank you. Happy to be here. So today, I really want to dive into the topic of ethical user experience design or UX design, specifically talking about something called dark pattern design. Can you tell me a little bit about what exactly is dark pattern design? Sure. Uh, A dark pattern is uh, a user interface that has been carefully crafted to trick users into doing things or or taking actions they might not uh, otherwise do. For example, buying insurance with their purchases, we are talking about an e-commerce or, or signing up for a recurring services without even noticing. Sometimes we used to think that it can be bad design because the, the designer has been sloppy or lazy, but without malice. Actually, their patterns are not uh, mistakes. They are carefully crafted to deceive and with a solid understanding of what human psychology and behavior is. So they don't have the uh, user uh, best interest in mind. Okay, interesting. So can you potentially give me some examples of dark pattern design in action? Where are we seeing it and how is it tricking users into taking actions they didn't initially realize they were going to take? Yeah, uh, there we, we can see them in action everywhere around the the web, uh, the, web the, uh, the digital products, for example, or games or mobile applications. Most commonly, we uh, encounter dark patterns on e-commerce sites because they intend to make a profit, which each of one of those actions that we are taking without even noticing. For example, when one of them called a sneak into basket, for example, when they they add an extra product to your basket or your shopping cart without you uh, noticing until you go and and inspect your purchase. For example, if you want to buy flowers, they add an extra greeting card. Or if you buy an electronic appliance or a computer or a laptop or a tablet, they add insurance. Or even more uh, less harmful, for example, an, an extra cover for your iPad. And it wasn't doing with your explicit acceptance or your explicit uh, permission, but was doing from the e-commerce side. So 
they have you uh, performing these purchases and adding things without you, uh, your uh, specific consent. So you don't give your consent to add these products is because it's called a dark pattern because most of the dark patterns are trying always to obscure or to confuse information or actions to get an extra profit from your purchase, for example. Other uh, dark patterns, we can uh, find it in social media with the infinite scrolling or when they try to, to subscribe you to a newsletter, for example, and opt out or uh, sign up the newsletter on unsubscribe because it's uh, harder to find the link to unsubscribe to a service than to actually get into that service. Uh, this is uh, sometimes called a roach model because it's really easy to get in and really hard to get out. Even unsubscribing from some services, they put that their best effort to hide or to conceal the way to get out of a service or product. For example, I was seeing the, the example of uh, a service to, who checks your English grammar and uh, it's really easy to subscribe to the service, but they really hide the, the button to unsubscribe because another uh, dark pattern is when you put your data, your credit card information, for example, to try a product or service. And uh, when your trial period expires, they keep charging you for that service without you noticing because they don't send you a proper message to warn you that your trial period is ended and uh, they will start charging you for your service uh, to your credit card. So this is a way to, to conceal or to uh, not be clear or transparent about the information they give you when you subscribe to a service. And it's a dark pattern because many times happens that people forget they put the, also the information of the credit card into this subscription or when they uh, want to try a service, they forget they did and they keep charging you monthly for a service that you forget you are paying for. So it's, uh, it's uh, also uh, very common. Many, many products and services online are doing this. And sometimes it takes a lot of effort from the user to get out of the services or the newsletter when it's at the best of cases, it's just an annoying newsletter. At the worst, it's money you are giving to them for a service that you don't want. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think these are examples that we can all emphasize with that we've come across during our internet use or use of different applications, especially the one where they put um, things in your basket, or I think airlines are, are really bad for this, where they'll click all of the added extras and that you want to pay for a certain seat assignment or you want to pay for insurance, and then you have to go through and manually untick all those boxes. And, you know, some of them even put that timer on to make sure that they rush you through the process and that you only have a certain amount of time to finish the purchase, which it just puts so much unnecessary psychological pressure on on people yeah. that it's, it, it's, um, it's really problematic. Yes, because they know our weaknesses. They know that sometimes we are we get anxious in front of the fact that we can be missing some uh, great offer or we are not uh, saving enough money because we are not being fast enough to take that offer. But that state of anxiety that put on us are in use for a reason because maybe you don't think very clearly 
and act on instinct. As I said before, they know, they really know all the uh, behaviors and all the research in science that supports uh, this knowledge about human behavior. They know that we, uh, in some situations, we don't think clearly because our instinct kicks in and wants us to really get through this situation and to act. So we put an end to this odd feeling of missing something or this scarcity bias when they play or they make leverage on this need we have as humans that not to miss an opportunity, don't miss on that item that it's desirable, but actually it's not that desirable. It's because they frame it in, in a way that it makes it even more desirable than they actually is. And also creating a need uh, in each of us to, to have it. And maybe when you finally completed the, the purchase, you can think more in a more cold state of mind and see, oh, actually I don't need that. I, I have, I don't know, like 20 other lipsticks uh, that look similar to that, but they put you in that situation that when you are easily manipulated and well, they got your money, they got your attention, your purchase, uh, your private or personal data, maybe your uh, credit card info. So it's uh, a really uh, an asymmetrical relationship when they have this all this power to get into this uh, this game of get this because it's not going to last. And also, uh, I was thinking about how important it is when it comes to our private or personal data too, because they also use this the same techniques to make us give away more information that uh, we should. Yeah, absolutely. That's um, That was actually going to be one of my next questions. But I first want to say that I think the point that you made about people having FOMO, fear of missing out, is a really yeah. strong part of, of dark pattern design, especially when you see it if you're like booking a room in a hotel or, or something like that. And then it will tell you that four other people are also looking at the same room at the same time. It makes you yeah. think that it's more like valuable and that um, you've got to be and, yeah. one. Yeah. But uh, the, uh, in most cases, that uh, that number of people looking for the same room or the same plane ticket are fake. They are not real. They are just a number uh, embedded into the, the system that plays against you, making you believe that there are so many people interested in that. Or they are, for example, low stock of a certain item. And it's not true. It's just a number, an equation, an algorithm inside the system that makes you believe that. And that's the part when, if you had a, a real info on a certain product stock, for example, and it's really low, that can be one tool to use uh, or uh, in your decision-making process. But when it's uh, not real, when it's faked through algorithm, it's uh, when you are uh, being manipulated and when you don't really know what is going on behind uh, that interface they are presenting you, which yeah. makes it even more dangerous. It's so it's super deceptive. You're right. I just uh, an example that I saw on Twitter recently was um, a presidential candidate had uh, kind of like a pop up on his website where he would uh, was saying that. A certain amount of people were just signing up were signing up to volunteer in different exactly. states and then once you actually looked into the into the javascript code it, they were just cycling through all of the different states and you know presenting the pop-up with a different state each time but it wasn't actually 
um, the case that people were all signing up to volunteer in these different regions. Yes, in this case, it wasn't uh, to sell you a product, but they were they they were selling you a candidate, and that's uh, the 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 main issue. It's not you are protected because you are in a volunteering or in a political uh, candidate site. It's it's the same. It's the same strategy. It's the same. Uh, they are using the same techniques. And why they are using it? Because uh, they work. Exactly. Yeah. It just goes to show that these techniques, whilst they're you know primarily focused on getting people to to spend money, they are present across the board. Which brings me nicely to the next point I wanted to ask you about, which is about people you know giving up their private data unbeknownst to them, and the techniques that different organizations, especially those in big tech, use to to get people's private data without them realizing what they're actually handing over. Yeah, that's very common. It's uh, there are a lot of organizations and big companies in in social media that were applying these techniques long before governments and law uh, start to to look closer and to find out what what was going on behind these sites and corporations. For example, uh, Facebook has been one of these uh, subjects put under the the magnifying glass because of their practices that they are being uh, using since the uh, beginning to induce, to to obscure, to confuse and to not be clear to the user when it comes to uh, giving away their own personal data and privacy settings. They do the best they can to hide or to to make it cumbersome how you should uh, be protecting your privacy inside, uh, for example, uh, Facebook or, uh, let's say, Instagram. Or uh, there also were some concerns with uh, TikTok, for example, because uh, there were, for default, making uh, the profiles of the users uh, public. And sometimes they found out that there were many underage users, especially children, that were really easy to be contacted those children through the application with the strangers so they were putting at risk these children consciously because they knew they were doing this and until the government and the laws and the uh, lawyers uh, start making pressure uh, i think privacy especially when it comes to uh, dark patterns uh, related to privacy are a very important issue. In the U.S., for example, they, uh, they are passing the, the two racks to give um, the Federal Trade Commission uh, some direction, some uh, tools to go after these dark patterns, to do something and to be able to, to target the companies that use them and to put them under... Uh, fines or some sort of punishment to prevent uh, them keep uh, to keep using them. It also in Europe, they have this uh, general, it's called the GDPR, it's, uh, it stands for General Data Protection Regulation that uh, came into force in May uh, 2018, when uh, they, they are putting some, a set of rules for companies and for uh, how to protect the rights the rights of the citizen to their own private data and how these companies are going to to protect their the, that, the data and to uh, process the data because it is also important to know how they are going to handle and process all uh, your data once you are consent to give it to these companies 
I think you made some really interesting points about the legislation um, that has been passed and that's in, in process of getting passed at the moment. Um, I think the Detour Act is a really important one because that's addressing directly dark pattern design and, and attempting to restrict companies' use of it. But when it comes to things like GDPR, I think an issue that, that has been run into is that these big tech companies have so much financial power that even when they do run into problems and they don't comply with those laws, they can just pay those fines and carry on operating anyway. It's actually less of a of a obstacle for them to just pay the fine and then carry on doing what they were doing than to change their practices. So it's an interesting debate, that one about how far this this legislation goes and whether or not it is, it is restrictive enough. Yes, and one thing about uh, protecting your right to, to your data and to your privacy is that when we are more and more easily identified, we are not uh, anonymous anymore when we browse the web, when we use a social media service or an application or a mobile app. So we are more and more being uh, more exposed, even if we don't realize. And uh, when they use our, our data to manipulate our purchases, I think, but when they use it to manipulate also our views on the world, our political views, our uh, political or religion, it becomes uh, even more uh, complicated and more um, dangerous. So there is not only uh, the dark patterns that affects us uh, when it comes to money. It also can affect our uh, life in a community, for example. We are easily traceable if we are not very careful when uh, some application asks uh, to share our uh, location, for example. We share our location to find the, the closest Starbucks, but we also are sharing our movements inside a, a city or a country. And we must be uh, aware of this too, because it's also important. And it's always a dark pattern involved in order to get our information, uh, our information without us even noticing. Sometimes I use very uh, a lot uh, Google Maps because I get lost easily, but really easy. So sometimes I get it, uh, I have it uh, activated uh, all the time especially when I am on a city I'm not very familiar with. So sometimes they send me my, I don't know, they have a name for this small feature when they uh, show you uh, your uh, amount of uh, travels, sort of you are being here and here and here and there. And they know most, most of my activity on a daily basis and they can use it to make me, don't make me get lost in the city, but they can usually use it for other things that I'm not aware of, that I'm not able to ever know. It's a really scary thought, especially when it's something that's so personal like that, like your daily movements and the fact that these big tech companies like Google have such, such a long reach when it comes to knowing all of this data that we that we do essentially hand over to them through these dark pattern designs. But what concerns me, I think, the most is how many people are happy to hand over that data because they feel like they're getting something in return for it. Like, like you said, Google Maps is really useful. And I find the whole Google ecosystem really useful, like the thought of now living without Gmail without Google search, without Google calendar, you know, without Google meets where we're recording this call today, it seems like an impossible feat. But the fact of the matter is that 
the value that they gain from all of the data that we're handing over to them is much more than the value that we gain from using their products. So I think educating the public around these topics, especially dark pattern design, is going to be a key part in convincing people that it's that there is some, I don't know, I don't want to say malevolence, but there's definitely some some darker intentions going on behind the scenes. Yes, and uh, once we are uh, informed about this, uh, what we can do is to ask for more transparency when it comes to giving away our dat uh, data. Because if we know that there are rules when uh, it comes to uh, managing and uh, storing our data, and we know the companies comply to those rules, and if they do the, their maximum effort to hand to uh, having our security or data security in mind, we can happily give them our uh, data or our uh, GPS, for example, access to our GPS or our camera phone or our to our contacts. The point is we must know what to ask them to do because if we don't push them we don't uh, pressure them we don't put enough pressure to these companies they will do whatever they want so we must reach this commitment uh, between uh, government and lawyers and users and companies that it's okay i will give you away my data but you are going to use it for this and this and that and you can't use it for any other thing and I think this is, uh, uh, for example, what uh, in Europe are trying to, to do, to make sure the companies will do their best effort to protect the, uh, the data and to make sure they will put all the, uh, all the research to create products uh, that will not ask you what they don't need, for example. And I think that's a, a good commitment. I, I think that is a, a goal we can have uh, when it comes to, uh, for example, uh, our uh, handle, uh, how they handle our personal data, our private uh, data, uh, our credit card data, our, for example, health uh, records, also our credit score, our uh, own genomic information. If you are doing yourself an ADN test because you want to know about your ancestors, you want to make sure that they are going to keep that information secure and, and private. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's uh, it's uh, interesting that you mentioned there about access to health data, because that is something that, especially now with COVID-19, all of these different apps that are, are coming up, you know, not just contact tracing apps, but other different types of um, applications that are seeking to help combat the crisis and the spread of this virus. There's going to be a lot of data that governments especially will have access to and we as as citizens need to need to know that they're not doing anything with that data after the pandemic is over and that it's only being used in the fight against the virus and not anywhere else exactly and to be, to make sure that they they will store that data or maybe they will destroy it after uh, everything passed or they won't sell it to third companies or maybe if there were private companies involved in the creation of these um, applications and devices and so on, they will not uh, uh, be able to keep that, that data or have access to. So there are a lot of 
issues when it comes to, to this kind of obligations that we are going to make sure that they are going to, the, the governments are going to handle it in a secure way. It's mm -hmm. important also they, because uh, they trace all your movements and your contacts and uh, your inner circle, for example. Uh, many apps uh, will, uh, for, I think in China, they will able to know if you were sitting in a certain spot uh, on your subway travel and next to some subject A and subject B. And that's kind of a scary in a certain point. It, may be, it might be helpful in a pandemic situation, but uh, they also can be used uh, after the pandemic is, is gone. So it's uh, very, it's an, an issue uh, that mm -hmm. it, I, I'm pretty sure is going to rise in the, in the years to come. Yeah, especially when you think about the behavior of different governments and the trust level that citizens have in them already, I think. Exactly. If governments are going to behave responsibly with this data, you know, the primary push for that needs to come from users being aware and citizens being aware of, of what's at stake if they're being continuously and more closely surveilled, even after yeah. that's over. Yes, and especially in countries, for example, in like in Argentina, when you know there is not enough technology literacy, not uh, among the citizens, but also among the public uh, servants, uh, we need to, to, to push for, for them to be more educated in order to, to create a better laws and to, to create a, safe, a safer environment when it comes to digital data for all the citizens. When I, I see the examples of uh, the TURACT or uh, GDPR in Europe, I see they are doing a lot, a lot of work uh, making sure uh, they are protecting their citizens and uh, they are very, very sophisticated when it comes to how they think and how they act when they s want uh, to set uh, these, these rules and these laws. And I'm, I wish we, we could have the, the same sophistication level, but in our cases, uh, we need to be more vocal, maybe as a community, in my case, as a UX uh, designer in, inside our own communities to, to ask for this too, because this is got, maybe it's not that urgent right now, but this, uh, uh, it's going to be a, a really big issue in the in near future. So I think it's important to, to see all the angles of these dark patterns, because when you start to, to look at them, uh, you, are, you see more and more that involves not only losing some money to the to the flash sales, but also losing more than money, losing your privacy and getting people uh, to know more than more about yourself than you uh, would expect. Mm -hmm, yeah. And that point that you made about the UX community, that's something that I want to ask you about as a UX designer yourself. You know, we've spoken about the responsibility of governments to legislate against irresponsible dark patterns and the responsibility of, of users and consumers themselves to be more aware and educate themselves and each other. Like how should the UX community prevent the use of these techniques within itself? And what do you think can be done by UX designers to, to make sure that these, these techniques are being less and less adopted or less and less supported? Uh, well, 
first of all, since we are already learning something about them and something about behavioral economics and psychology and all the stuff that goes into UX practice, I think we must teach others. We must make the common people, the, the, all our future users, our clients also, because we also need to, to make this effort to educate, educate our clients on the values of uh, transparency and clarity when presenting information and also that don't mistrust the user or the citizens. They will give you the info you need for your product to work in an optimum state. They will give you uh, what you're asking them, not only your money, your subscription, for example, fee, but only your data. Why are you going to ask me access to all my phone, camera, documents, microphone, if I only signing up for a trial period for a product that doesn't involve taking pictures or recording voice, for example? Why, why are you asking me this? Why do you want all this information? It, it's relevant for the product or it's not? Maybe if it's not, can we not ask the, the user to give up on this? So we need to, to make this effort to educate them. It's hard because sometimes they, their business, it's, uh, they have different objectives. They have uh, KPIs and they have monthly uh, goals. And sometimes they don't want to, to listen to, to these options in the, uh, their strategies to, to go into to the market or, or getting more users or getting more info. And uh, we must do the effort. And as professionals, we must be uh, more aware of this and the power we have to teach and to, to prevent these patterns to keep uh, perpetuating. Sometimes designers, we, we live in our context. Uh, we maybe are in a very aggressive environment of work when we have been setting goals to, to reach at the end of the month or the period of time. And we want to reach them because our work depends on that. But we also must be able to, to say no when we can and, and to fight the battles that are worth it. And sometimes it's hard. I, I, recognize, I recognize as a professional that sometimes it's, it's really hard to see all the entire aspects of a product, including the, the final user. And uh, as a community, maybe we should be more vocal, especially uh, I'm talking about because I'm volunteer for our local community of UX. And sometimes we have different objectives and or we are in different moments of time. Sometimes we have more or less power to influence something uh, around us, but we can start for doing something. We can start for educating them. Uh, our community, the designers, for example, the graphic designers, the developers. And uh, I think uh, that's what it can be done now. And also, if we are lucky enough to reach uh, government bodies or, for example, uh, different representatives in, in the government and to educate them also, that would be great. That would be a, a really a positive and a really important step to a better control and to a greater transparency when it comes to to the handling of our data mm -hmm. yeah i think the point that you made about trusting the user and not underestimating their capacity to understand that what they have to give over is necessary for 
a certain app function or or to be able to perform best if google map if you're trying to get somewhere on google maps and it requests your location data obviously you understand that that's necessary for you to get the what you need out of that app but when it starts asking for access to other parts of other applications or other features of your phone which aren't necessary that's when they're employing these techniques which are which are trying to fool people so yeah i think convincing the, the tech companies to ask for what they need and be transparent about it and not expect for people to be really guarded about giving that information away is a really important point exactly exactly and but of course it's easier for them to to ask for everything and to let let it pass when when you say yes good if you say no well that's okay too but uh, i think they should uh, be a more uh, transparent view of things uh, when it comes to the companies and when it comes to users users are uh, they they can trust you if you are words of trust that trust so sometimes it's not that hard the equation give them enough uh, information and present that information in a clear way and the user will and will give you what you need don't ask them what you don't really need and uh, for example as well i was reading about um, under the uh, gdpr law you can for example if you want to to run a b testings without the users knowing uh, you can't anymore. You must inform the user you are running this uh, different uh, type of, uh, for example, uh, interfaces to see which one works best. And that was referencing a test that Facebook uh, ran on their users about uh, what happens to you if you have a really depressing uh, news feed and the people will be depressed as a consequence or not. And of course, people got depressed and that they did it without uh, warning their users. That actually is not very, it's not a nice thing to do to your users, but also their total lack of disclosure of what were they doing it's when it enters the, the ethical realm and the moral realm, you have a captive audience. What are you doing that to them? If you can ask for the permission and you will have enough amount of users to run your test uh, that will give you the explicit consent. So they also, it's to, to, I think that we need to be proactive to prevent these kinds of manipulations because they were far away from being uh, testing uh, a feature. They were experimenting with people. So if you let them do whatever they want, they will keep doing these sort of things too. Well, I think yeah. it's very important to, to educate, to make the people conscious of what is going on behind the screens. Yeah, definitely. That's really interesting about the, um, the A-B testing. Now companies have to be transparent about that. And the GDPR, I didn't know that. Um, but it comes as no surprise to me that Facebook were actually doing that by providing uh, depressing content to their users. <laughs> Facebook is probably one of the number one, if not the number one culprits of dot design techniques and manipulation yes. of their users. So yes, yeah. yes, it is the, post, the poster boy for uh, dark patterns. Also, the, the, the depressing news were, were one thing. They, also, they can also present you with in hate speech or racial biased information or uh, religious, extreme religious views. So they can run a lot of tests on a lot of uh, subjects and you sometimes you don't even notice. 
and they do it gradually and they do it knowing you uh, they present you the info uh, in a way that will be attractive to you and we must be really aware of these manipulations yeah i mean the reality is that people are so people are so much more likely to engage with something that shocks them or makes them really angry so by pushing that content, Facebook is going to get more clicks, more reactions, yeah. and, and more time spent on the platform. So of course, it's yeah, yeah. So, so they can present you with, with more ads, with more products, with more whatever. And they are keeping you engaged in a really um, devious way. Yeah, it's the same with YouTube as well. Their algorithm, yeah. with every video that they recommend, it's a little bit more extreme and more extreme and more extreme to keep yeah. you on the And you fall, uh, you fall through that whole rabbit hole. And sometimes it's just spend, I don't know, t two hours uh, looking at uh, kitten videos. But other uh, times it's not that innocent or they lead you to content even more offensive or even illegal and we are always uh, talking from the perspective of adult people right when it comes to children or teenagers it's even worse because they fall through the same holes and uh, they affect them uh, differently and uh, sometimes even adults that have i don't know some mental illnesses or some depression or su suffering from I don't know, uh, uh, a negative uh, phase in their life can be uh, very uh, badly affected by, by these techniques. Because I was thinking, sometimes we are thinking from the perspective of the relatively normal person with no particularly acute uh, addictions. Maybe you are, I don't know, you, you really like to watch uh, beauty uh, videos uh, of influencers or maybe you like to collect uh, lipstick, but sometimes it's not that uh, shiny uh, situation uh, The people who uh, surf the web. Sometimes I, I are very lonely people, uh, very influential people, sometimes people that are uh, going through really depressing uh, phases in their life and they can affect them very much. And if we talk about children, they can uh, form uh, not very healthy habits for example, low span attention, uh, very uh, easily to get into uh, bad habits, even the dark games that are going around like the blue whale that was once, and really uh, dark memes or, or, or games or uh, challenges. So we must uh, consider all the, the spectrum of uh, humans that uh, get access and have uh, this uh, digital life also yeah exactly and i think that point about just seeing it through the lens of a normal person is getting tricked into taking all these actions online but then when you put someone who's more vulnerable like a child or someone who's maybe more psychologically vulnerable to things like radicalization videos or mm -hmm. extremist views it's you know it, it it turns into a whole other ball game so i think i think you're right and that this problem needs to be really tackled from all angles you know from a legislative angle from the, the angle of the ux community and from users themselves and you know it needs to be the responsibility of everyone to educate educate their peers as much as possible but also put the pressure on these big tech companies and and let them know that we know what they're doing and it's not exactly exactly we 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 let we need to do that to let them know we know they are trying to manipulate us 
and that we can do something about it. Mm -hmm. Okay, Claudia, I think that's a really good place to end the podcast. Um, I want to thank you for coming on today and, and giving us all of your really, really interesting UX insights and, and helping spread the word on this conversation. You know, this is a really important message that, that needs to get out there. And I hope that um, I hope that our listeners now become a little bit more aware of, of their online actions and, and things that they might be tricked into doing. Absolutely. And thank you for giving me the opportunity to talk about it. I, I think we, we must put a lot of effort into spreading the word. And, and thank you for, for this uh, opportunity. Definitely. It was our pleasure. Once again, thank you to our sponsor, Publicize. Visit their website if you want to find out more about their PR for growth packages, their free resources, or even schedule a call. And for a limited time only, exclusive to Brains Bite Back listeners, you can receive an SEO assessment as part of your package for any tier of service at no extra charge with this special promotion. To find out more, visit publicize.co slash BBB. That's it for today. Thank you for joining us. We really hope you enjoyed this episode and that maybe you'll pay a little bit more attention to the design tricks we come across daily. I know I certainly will. If you're interested in listening to more podcasts, head to sociable.co or follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. We love hearing what you thought of the show, so don't hesitate to tweet us either at, at the sociable.